Good evening. It's uh, great to see so many of you here tonight, and it's great if you're um, with us online. A couple of weeks ago in home groups, uh, we were thinking about opportunities for using what God's given us to serve him. And so I'm pleased to give an opportunity for service uh, that any of you, almost any of you, um, can be involved in. Um, We're hoping to uh, get back to refreshments um, after the evening service, and there's a rotor up in the foyer, and uh, all signatures will be welcomely received. Um, It would be lovely if we could join in that together. I've got a couple more announcements. Um, Firstly, next Sunday evening is going to be half an hour earlier, so we'll be starting at 6 o'clock, so that we've got a good amount of time, weather permitting and God willing, for us to sing outside after the service. This Thursday, we look forward to welcoming John Benton. Um, Many of you will have heard him, some of you won't. He's an excellent speaker, and he's going to be coming to talk to us about worship and asking, what is the church doing? And that's going to be starting at 7 o'clock. And last, when it comes to announcements, um, you'll have noticed that the Bibles have been untaped. Um, Please do feel free to pick up one if you'd like to. Um, And then when you've finished, if you leave it on the table, um, as you go out, then we can make sure it's quarantined. Well, it's great to be able to gather to worship God. And let's pray as we start our service. Oh Lord our God, we do thank you that we don't have to come with a series of qualifications to worship our God, but you call us to come just as we are. Oh Lord, we do thank you that as we come just as we are, we can come because of Jesus, because Jesus loved his people so much that he came to rescue them and that the price he paid was his own precious blood. Oh Lord, I pray that everyone here will know their guilt dealt with, will know the value of Jesus and so that we will be able to worship you know you and enjoy all the privileges of being in your family. So be with us now, we pray. Amen. So the first song we're looking at and joining in with, in our hearts, if not in our voices, talks about how great Jesus is. Meekness and majesty, manhood and deity, in perfect harmony, the man who is God.
shall we join together in prayer? Let's pray. Oh Lord, we do want to come in praise of the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. When they saw the transfiguration, they were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We think of the Apostle John falling down in worship as he sees the glorified Christ. We've been singing or thinking of words sung of the Lord of infinity, the one who dwells in eternity. We know that every knee shall bow before the Lord Jesus, that he is the radiance of your character and we praise you for the majesty of Jesus and we pray for a sense of awe and worship. But we praise you also for his meekness, that he was born, that he dwelt down here, that he picked up the towel, that he went to the cross, that he was willing to come in to Jerusalem on a lowly donkey, that he's concerned for people like us. We praise you for his meekness. Oh Lord, we were thinking about our hearts this morning and we don't know our own hearts. Lord, you see everything that happens in there. You know our motives. Lord, we're thoughtful that even as we're praying now, we know that all sorts of things can be going on in our hearts. We can look as though we're doing something good and holy and upright and yet our thoughts can be zipping all over the place. Our thoughts can be proud and selfish and smug, self-righteous. Our hearts can so often be cold. We're reminded in your word that even our our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We pray that you would forgive us and wash us clean. We thank you for the way that is open for uncleanness. We're grateful to be able to hear of that this evening. Oh Lord, we've been thinking these last few days about the work of the Holy Spirit and we've prayed already this morning for his work. We pray for that, we continue to pray for that. We pray, Lord, for him increasingly in our hearts to give us that sense of you being our Father. Maybe Father's Day is a mixed blessing for some and some families. But it's a wonderful thing if we can feel that sense of God being our Father. Lord, we thank you that you are our Father. We, we come to you in that way and we pray for the Spirit to help us. Lord, we thank you that he is a sustaining Spirit that gives strength through difficulties and we know that a good number of folk here have difficulties that they face and they go through and we pray that they may know the strength and sustaining help of the Spirit. We thank you he gives wisdom and we need wisdom in so many of the things that we're involved with as we seek to live for you. We thank you that he equips for service and we pray that as a church we may be given gifts uh, to be able to serve one another and to serve out with the gospel. We thank you that he is a spirit that promotes unity and we pray that you would help us to be endeavouring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. We thought this morning, Lord, about the history here and uh, we're, we're thankful 
that over so many of those decades there seems to have been a spirit of love and peace and unity here. That you have blessed us in that way. Lord, we pray for that to be kept. We know that we all have inside of us the ability to to upset and stir things and we pray for the influence of the Spirit to give an ongoing love and unity amongst us. We thank you that we're reminded of the Gospel being sounded out, shone out from this place uh, over those decades. We thank you for your faithful, uh, sustaining help for us as a church. We pray that you'd keep us shining out your truth. Lord, we pray for the things planned in coming weeks. Especially we pray for the summer activities, for those busy uh, planning them. Lord, we know they've got difficulties and confinements this year, but we thank you for the sense of anticipation there uh, is for things happening in the summer. Lord, help those involved and uh, help them in their preparation for all the organisation. Help them in their preparation for the spiritual input and the talks. We pray for a real sense of um, teamwork amongst those who are leaders. And we pray that you might use those events in this year as you have in previous years, albeit different. Lord, we pray for Mark as he takes um, a a leading role in so many of these things. We thank you that he can preach for us this evening and we pray for your blessing on him in all his different responsibilities and for the help of the Spirit to be given to him this evening as he preaches to us. Lord, we don't just pray for ourselves here. We thank you that there are uh, around us in this county many gospel churches. And we, we pray for other churches. Um, perhaps some are just getting back to meeting again together and there's a lot of adjustment and they feel the, the sadness of some of the opportunities that have missed. Oh Lord, do bless those churches as they come together again. Some churches are very small, hardly any meeting. We pray that you would bless them, encourage them, build them up. We pray for churches to be strengthened and added to, that this may be an area that experiences your favour in a special way. May the gospel go forward with power, we pray. Lord, we thank you that we have your word, your word being taught across the decades in this place. Give us a love for your word. Give us an open-heartedness towards your word. May we use your word to shape our lives, to encourage us, to stir worship. We pray for blessing in daily readings, to be able to drink in your word during the week and for it to be a fountain in our lives. But we pray for the weekday feasts, the weekend feasts, the Sunday feasts, when we especially have our minds turned to your word in our public services. Bless us at those times and in our time this evening. And these things we ask coming through our risen, glorified Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. is going to be preaching to us from God's Word and the passage that we're going to be looking at is in the book of 1 John and it starts at the beginning. So let's hear what God has 
to say to us. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Well, we look forward to Mark uh, explaining the great truth in that passage to us. But before we do that, we're going to be worshipping and thinking about the light of the world that stepped down into our darkness. So let's stand and worship.
Well, good evening to all of you here and to all of you watching online or in the overflow. It's good to worship God together tonight. Uh, as Tony said, we're looking in the passage that we read, 1 John 1 to 2, verse 2. It's the first part of John's three letters uh, that we find near the end of the Bible. And if you're not a Christian and you've never really understood why Jesus is so special, then tonight is for you. If you're a Christian and you feel a sense of guilt in your walk with God, then tonight is for you. If you think you're perfect, or at least good enough for God, then tonight is for you. Or if you simply want to be struck again by what God is like, what we are like, and the lengths that God went so that we could meet together then tonight is for you. And I'm going to start right at the beginning of this letter because that's how John starts and he wants us to have, he wants to have our attention. So this is start of chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, The life was made manifest, in other words, it it appeared to us. And we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. So John is, is basically giving us a witness statement here. He's testifying to us about what he and others have seen and known about the life. So we see firstly, the life. And listen to what he says about the life. It says it was with God, the Father, since the very beginning. It's eternal, and now it has appeared to us. And John says we've heard it. But more than that, we've seen it. But even more than that, we've touched it, we've handled it. On, uh, on Thursday, uh, the 18th of February, at 8.55, exactly in the evening, a rover called Perseverance landed on the, the surface on Mars. Uh, it spent about seven months flying through space, and it eventually got there. And some of you may have followed it in the news. I followed it quite closely. It was interesting. And it's been a slow start up there. They've done lots of little tests with the little helicopters up there, and... And it's been a slow start, they've had to test everything, but now they've really started to ramp up the science mission that they're on and they're collecting samples and all sorts. And and the scientists are speaking very excitedly about finding life on Mars. That's what they're, they're really looking for and they're excited about it. But John here is testifying. He's testifying that he's found life on Earth. Not just the, the existence of life, that's obvious. <laughs> But, but the very source of life. And of course, many of us, we immediately know what, what John's talking about here. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Jesus has been around with the Father since the very beginning of time. Recently, uh, I was watching a video footage of Sandbanks in Poole, uh, in Dorset. Um, it was during the 
early 1980s that it was filmed and it's where my dad grew up so I was quite interested in it and I knew it was highly unlikely that I'd see anyone I recognised but I kept half an eye out just in case a family member would pop onto the screen but it, it just made me realise as I was watching it all these people were wondering about um, it's, it's nice little park and, and they were living their lives and it suddenly struck me that I just did not exist back then that I, I was just not on planet earth I, I didn't exist in any shape or form some of us did exist back in the early 1980s but a hundred years ago unless I've missed anyone I don't think anyone of us here existed we just, we just weren't around we weren't anything but John tells us that this Jesus, who he, he knew, he knew well, has been around since the beginning of time. He, he didn't begin when he, he didn't begin existing when he came to earth. He existed already. It was just that he became visible to us when he came to earth. Some of us have been to the British Museum, and one of the things I found exciting going there, I don't usually find museums that exciting, but one of the things I did find exciting about this one was the fact that you can see objects that are mentioned in the Bible. Objects that people in the Bible, or the people that are mentioned, would have, would have touched and seen. And, and it's quite exciting. You can see it, it's just there. You can't always touch them, but they're, they're so close. Imagine how thrilling it must have been for John as he, as he understands more of who Jesus is, and he, he realises that he, he's been sort of touching and seeing and talking to something that has existed right from the very beginning. We can get so used to hearing these things, can't we? We, we? Maybe we don't even bat an eyelid as we hear these things. But isn't that astounding? You know, if you're a Bible believer, you believe some astounding things. I just wonder, do we need to be amazed again by, by these things that we're told in God's Word? And of course, John would have seen Jesus alive again after he had died. He would have seen him, talked to him. Do you remember they ate fish with Jesus? Jesus ate fish, showing that he was real. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. It's not just that he received life from God. He is the life. He is the source of all life. All of our lives are sustained by him. And John, right at the start, he says he's seen and he's touched and he's heard the life that has come from the Father God and that has now appeared on earth. And then in verse 5, John tells us the message that he has heard from the life. So this is, this is the message, John says, that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. So what is it, sort of summed up as it were, God is a light, and in him is no darkness at all. If you've seen the heading of tonight, you can, or the title of tonight, you can probably guess my headings. Next one is light. Light, this is the message, a few words, God is light. And then he uses a negative to really kind of drive the point home. And if it was to be a sort of literal translation, this is what it would say. And darkness in him, no, not at all. God is full of goodness, of righteousness. He is dazzlingly holy. 
There's no hint of evil or sin in him. There's no sort of dark crevice or, or corner where there's darkness in, in God's character. There's no shadows. He's the very essence of goodness and purity and holiness. He is blindingly bright in his holiness. God is light. So in just a, a few verses, John's told us some pretty astounding statements. Don't you agree? <laughs> That the God, the Son was with the Father, that He is the, the source of life, that He's appeared to us on earth, and that, that God is light. And John wants us to have fellowship with Him and also with God. Verse 3. He's had the privilege of having fellowship with, with Jesus, and He wants us to share that fellowship with him. But how do we, as, as sinful human beings, have fellowship with a God who is light? Well, some of the, the people that John is writing to believe that they already have fellowship with God. They, they sort of believe that they have this light in them. So when they hear about God being light, they think, oh, we've got that light in us. That's what they uh, believed. But, but John knows this is simply not the case. There is a way that we can have fellowship with God. Even though he's so magnificent and so holy and we are so sinful, there is a way that we can have fellowship. But the only way that we can have fellowship with the light is through the life. The only way that we can have fellowship with the light is through the life, Jesus. The people that John is writing to have been caught up in, in a bubble of uh, confusion and lies. And so now John wants to expose the lies that have been swirling around. And he wants to, to combat these lies with, with the truth from uh, God's word. He wants to teach them the truth. So now John moves on to the lies and truth. Lies and truth. Most of us these days, if not all of us, are faced by it just a barrage of information, aren't we? We go on the computer, we go on our phones, and there's just information hitting us from everywhere. And it's quite common, isn't it, to see uh, so-called fact-checking videos now. Um, so a while ago, there was a fact-checking video about the TV series The Crown. Um, I haven't seen it, uh, but, it but it was a sort of series that helped people know what's, what's, what happens, what, what's fact and what's made up. Um, what, what really happened in the royal family and what's maybe a bit of artistic licence. And the BBC at the moment, they love their fact-checking videos. So this week there was a, a fact-checking video about the Delta variant and about how the UK border policy had maybe affected spread. Uh, last week, I believe, there was a, a video about Matt Hancock, I think, and his claims about how the government have handled COVID and, and is he being honest in what he's saying? Well, John here, um, obviously he doesn't produce a fact-checking video for obvious reasons, but he does the same basic thing. What he does is he raises three claims that the people were making, that they were believing. He raises these three claims, and then he places them next to the truth of God's word. I'm going to summarise uh, the claims on the screen, uh, but you can see them 
if you look in your Bibles, if you've got them open in verse 6, verse 8 and verse 10. Verse 6, verse 8 and verse 10. And at, at the beginning or near the beginning of those verses, it says, if we claim, if we claim, if we claim. So, here are the three claims that people were making. So, claim number one. If we say we have fellowship with him. So that is one of the claims that these people were making. They claim to have fellowship with God. Claim number two was that we have no sin. That's what they were saying. We have no sin. So it is this idea of saying we have no sin at all. It's not in our character at all. Our, our characters are perfect. There's nothing, nothing in the human condition uh, that is sinful. And then claim number three, we have not sinned. So this is basically saying we've never done anything wrong. That was the third claim they were making. Well, what does John say about these claims that they're making? Well, claim number one, he says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. This is a bit like someone claiming to be a vegetarian and yet you regularly see them eating meat. There's an inconsistency between what they say and what they do. And these people, they claim to have fellowship with God and yet they're walking in darkness. And John says, they lie and they do not practice the truth. Claim number two, we have no sin. John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We're conning ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. These ideas have come just from our own imagination, John's saying. And the third claim. Sorry, just put the third claim up. If we say we have not sinned. John says, if we say we've not sinned, we make God out to be a liar and his word is not in us. We're basically saying, God, you're lying. You're wrong, I'm right. And God's word is not in us. You know, one of the things that still amazes me about children sometimes is that they can think they're perfect despite plenty of evidence to the contrary. And, uh, and we can maybe laugh at that, but aren't there lots of adults around today who believe that too? And maybe we can believe that far too quickly ourselves as well. John warns us, if we believe these claims, these claims are false. And if we believe these claims, we're saying that, that God is lying. But then if you look at the start of verse 7 and verse 9 and the middle of chapter 2, verse 1, so I'll say that again, verse 7, verse 9, and in the middle of chapter 2, verse 1, you'll see three more ifs. You'll see ifs. Each one of them is a, a sentence, a, a true sentence, where John combats these claims with the truth. So here's truth number one. Verse seven. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Well, back in verse three, John explained that he wanted us to have fellowship with him. But now he explains how we do it. Two ways we need to walk in the light and we need to be cleansed. We need to walk in the light and we need to be cleansed. If our way of life is consistent with God's ways and God's commands, then we can have fellowship with him. 
with, well, with each other. But even more special than that, if we walk in God's ways, we can have fellowship with God and Jesus. God the Father and Jesus. So if we're walking in the light, we can have fellowship with each other as Christians, fellowship with John. But we can also have fellowship with God the Father and the Son. You can't have fellowship with someone or, or sort of enjoy someone's company, can you, if you're walking in different directions? <laughs> you know, if, if someone's walking towards you, you might get a quick word in as they, as they walk past. You might be able to shout for a little bit, but you're not going to be able to enjoy fellowship. You need to be walking in the same direction, don't you? That's obvious. If we're walking in the light as God is in the light, if we're walking in his ways, then we can enjoy fellowship with each other, with other people that are walking that way, and with God the Father and the Son. So we need to walk in the light, but, but we also need to be cleansed. We need to be cleansed. second part of verse 7, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Blood which contaminates, it stains, and yet Jesus' blood, it cleanses us, it purifies us as it's got on the screen. And it doesn't just cleanse us, it makes us so clean that we can come into the presence of a dazzlingly holy God. And John tells us more in the second truth. This is verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is one of my favourite verses in the whole Bible and I was chatting to someone this morning after the morning service and they said, I'm looking forward to tonight. It's got one of my favourite verses in. He said, 1 John 1 verse 9. It's this verse. I think I became a Christian on the Crowbell camp, I think when I was about 13. Uh, but for quite a few years I struggled with assurance, really, and knowing, am I, am I really a Christian? And uh, I'd be at home and I'd pray for forgiveness. And then I'd go to school the next day and I'd think, I just don't feel like a Christian. And then I'd come home in the evening and I'd read verses like this and other verses in Romans and I would say, I've done that, I've confessed my sin, I'm a Christian. And then I'd wake up in the morning in the light of day and I'd go to school and I'd think, I just don't feel like a Christian. And this process went on for quite a while, on and off a little bit, but on and off for about four years. And it came to the point where I suddenly realised that what I had to do is I had to trust what this verse said. That I wasn't going to feel any different because it wasn't about how I felt. What I needed to do is trust. If God says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us, if he's the one that says that and he's the one that's going to be judging us, then I can believe that if I do that, then I'll be forgiven. But I had to trust. I had to hold on to it tightly. And you know, when I did, when I finally trusted and when I finally said, you know what God, this is what you say, this is what I've done, I must be a Christian, I felt such a sense of of joy and peace. Because I was finally able to, to trust what he said. But it is important that we confess our sins. We do need to confess our sins to know his forgiveness. And if you've never 
confess your sins to God. If you've never turned to God and said sorry, then I want to encourage you because just like he forgave me, he can forgive you. And it doesn't matter whether you think you're a lot worse than me or maybe a lot better than me. You will be forgiven if you confess your sins to God. But if you're a Christian as well, what you can find is that that the light of God constantly shows up more and more of your life. They're sort of the dark parts of your life that need to be confessed to him. It's a bit like a, like a dark room. You know when you've got a dark room and more and more light comes into the room and bit by bit you see more and more dirt and more and more dust in the room and more and more cobwebs and you realise what it's really like. The more light that is shone into our lives, the more God's light shines into our lives, the more aware we become of our need to confess our sin and experience the cleansing work of Jesus' blood. Now this confession with Jesus, uh, sorry, for Christians, confession to Jesus for Christians, isn't about salvation or acceptance as such. For Christians we've already had that. So it's not about acceptance with God, but it's about understanding that, that these things are completely contrary to what God is like, and therefore they, they massively impact our relationship with him. And if you're a relatively new Christian, uh, or maybe you know someone that is, or you've maybe discipled uh, new Christians, uh, you will know that what often happens is that after a few months, they often feel like they're getting worse. Maybe you feel like that if you're a new Christian. You feel like you've got worse. And often, not all the time, but often what's actually really going on is that God's light is going more and more into their lives. It's it's exposing you more and more. You become more and more aware of your sin and actually how vile you are before God. And so you feel worse, but actually what's happening is that really you're seeing more and more of who you really are. And of course the right response is to be more and more amazed at what Jesus has done for you. I went for a walk uh, last winter with one of the young people from here and uh, it got pretty dark on the walk and as we got back, we got back into the town and there were more street lights and suddenly looked down and she said, I can't believe how muddy I am. just hadn't realised. You know, it was dark. You don't realise, but you walk under a street light and suddenly see you're covered in, covered in mud. And what's your, what's your response as God shines his light onto your life do you want to to hide away from God's light do you want to be like a cockroach you shine light on it and it scuttles away into the darkness is that what you're like keeping parts of your life hidden away truth is that we need to confess our sins we we need to, to bring them into the light and it sounds completely counterintuitive, doesn't it, that to bring our sins to God. I mean, that just sounds crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> the God that we've sinned against and we bring our, our sins to God and yet that's the very thing we need to do. Because he is faithful 
As this truth reminds us, he will forgive us if we confess our sins. If we bring them to him, he will forgive us. He is faithful. He will do as he has said. And he's also just, as it says in verse 9. It's not on the the PowerPoint, but it is in the verse. He's faithful and just. Some of us thought briefly about this idea of God being just in communion uh, a couple of weeks ago. A just judge is one that will do what is right. A just judge will punish wrongdoing and they won't punish those who are innocent. But also a just judge uh, will not demand that wrongdoing is punished for twice. If it's been punished once, then that is enough. So God must forgive sins if we confess them to him. God must. Why? Well, we get this explained a little bit more for us in the final truth that John brings to us. So this is chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Truth 3, if anyone does sin, so John says, I'm writing these things because I don't want you to sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. God must forgive us if we confess our sins to him. Because Jesus, the righteous one, who is completely innocent, has sacrificed his life and has already faced the punishment for our sins. He's already faced the punishment. He willingly sacrificed his life so that he could face the anger and turn the anger of God away from us and onto him. He gives us his righteousness and his innocence and he takes on our sin. He takes on our unrighteousness and God piles his justice and his wrath onto him instead of us. And now, having done all that, now he's our advocate. So it's like he's now our lawyer. And he stands before God, the Father, and he points to his own sacrifice and he says, Father, you cannot punish them because you have punished me. Remember what I did on the cross. Remember that you took my sin, uh, sorry, that you took their sins and I took them on the cross and I dealt with them. I have paid the price. You are a just father. You cannot demand that they pay it too. That would be twice. I have paid the price for sin. You must forgive them. So if we confess our sins, God must forgive us because Jesus has already paid the price. John says later in his letter that he's writing all these things so that we can know eternal life. This is the life that we read about in the first few verses, that we can know Jesus. So, just to sum up, if you're not a Christian here this evening, I simply want to point you to Jesus. He's the one that has existed since before time began and yet he became visible to us, he appeared to us. He sacrificed his life so that he could pay for your sin. So that he can now stand before the Father and say, don't punish them because you punish me. And you can now join in fellowship, not just with us Christians here, which 
hopefully is a wonderful thing, but also with the Father and with the Son. And I simply have no better news than that. And if you're a Christian, I hope that you've been struck again by just the wonder of who Jesus is, really. He's the life, he's the light. And I hope that the light has shone into your hearts once again. Maybe expose some things which need to be exposed. And my prayer for you is that you'll be able to bring these things into God's glorious light, that you'll confess them again, and that you'll know the joy of, of walking with him, in fellowship with him and with each other. And I hope it's been an encouragement as you've again seen what Jesus did for us, the lengths he went to. Just to finish, as I, was, um, as I was planning this message, as I was thinking through it, I was uh, dictating some comments to my laptop, so I was speaking and it was typing for me. I don't usually do that, but um, it was quite effective when I was doing it. But at one point, I, I was just sort of thinking, and I said that we're saved to no joy. And, uh, and it was quite interesting. It came out as no joy, as in N-O joy. <laughs> and, and isn't that somehow, isn't that sometimes how we, we think of Christianity, that it's no joy, that <laughs> it's miserable, it's things we've got to do. And maybe you're tempted to think like that, but John here, he says no. No, that, that's not what the Christian life is. No, he says he's writing all these things so that his joy and our joy will be complete. These are the things which should satisfy us and give us so much joy that we almost don't need any more joy. We can't fit any more joy in. We're full to the brim with joy because of these things. This is the true message of Christianity. Knowing Jesus, having fellowship with him, having fellowship with each other, these are the things that actually will give us full joy. I'm going to just give... Uh, Just a minute, just to reflect on some of those things, uh, and then I'll pray to finish. Oh God, you are light. You are dazzlingly holy. And yet, Lord, I thank you that because of what Jesus, the life, has done, Lord, I thank you that we can have his life. Lord, the the life itself sacrificed his life so that we could have his life. Lord, I thank you so much for that. And I pray that whether we've received that message before or whether we've never received it for ourselves, Lord, I pray that we would receive it again tonight and that it would change our lives, it would transform them. Lord, that we may be filled with a people and a church that is walking in the light, that is bringing glory to you and that is full of joy. So Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.